0: Expediter's Podcast, where you can hear about front-of-mind topics in the logistics and freight forwarding industry through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and today's topic, the upcoming changes to the harmonized system in 2022. Next year, changes to the harmonized system are going into effect, and that could mean big impact to how goods are classified globally within the customs process. If you're not up to speed on these developments, 2022 would be the worst time to have your shipments delayed as global shipping continues to catch up with demand. We're covering changes to the harmonized system, what it is, and what you should know to keep things moving smoothly, all things considered. And with me today is the regional customs manager for the Americas, Stephanie Holloway. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, before we get started talking t- about today, I want to get to know you a little bit more. Could you walk me through kind of your background, your career?
1: Yes. Um, I would say that I was born and raised um, at Expeditors in the Customs Product. Mm-hmm. So I started off in operations right out of uh, college. Then I had the opportunity to move into an account management role. Mm -hmm. Um, Then actually got to see the perspective from an importer. I worked on site at one of our customers, um, supporting them both in brokerage and transportation. Mm -hmm. Um, And then actually at that point, I was in Minneapolis. Um, I moved back to Seattle uh, to work here at our corporate location uh, supporting systems. And just recently, I moved into more of a business development role. So I've had a lot of opportunity to talk about this uh, with customers at the end of the year.
0: of, there's a saying I've heard of, you know, careers aren't ladders, they're jungle gyms. And it really sounds like you've taken <laughs> full advantage of that.
1: I've been all over. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I guess just between Seattle and Minneapolis. But sure. that's quite a jungle uh, in itself. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, and, and so how many years does that cover?
1: I think 16. Yeah. But don't do the math. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm becoming, I remember when I first started and people would say, oh, I've worked here 20 years. And mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. Mm hmm. Now I'm that person. Yeah. Almost.
0: Yeah. I just hit 10. I'm like, oh, man.
1: Don't think about it. Just keep going. (laughs) Just keep going.
0: Just keep going. (laughs) Uh, And so you said you're born and raised in customs. What about customs? Like, why do you nerd out over customs? What about it is fascinating to you?
1: Um, Boy, that is a loaded question. (laughs) Um, Probably topics like this, actually, um, that get you all excited and talking a little too loud. Um, That's totally me. (laughs) Um, But I think it's because it's not dull at all, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in the last couple of years. The Trump administration brought so many changes Mm -hmm. so rapidly Mm -hmm. uh, to the customs process. Before that, when I actually took over the systems role, um, customs was making a big uh, transition from their old... Uh, custom software that was called ACS to their new platform that was called Ace. And we had tons of work to do on that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of great things that they did that we got to support and give to our operations teams. So um, it is just, it's not dull. Um, there's always stuff going on. Um, and this is a great example of just another thing to roll with.
0: So yeah, absolutely. Here we are. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and uh, jump right into it then. Um, So I mentioned at the top, we're talking about the Harmonized system. Could you explain what it is, kind of who runs it, and what role does it play in trade?
1: Yeah. So um, I'm not going to do this justice, but I will (laughs) uh, speak to it as clearly as I can. Mm -hmm. So back in the early 1970s, a group of people um, at the World Customs Organization or the WCO, um, I don't even know if it was called the WCO at that time, but a group of um, folks got together and they really had a vision uh, to create a system, or they like to call it a nomenclature, mm-hmm. to help show trade patterns globally. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they did was created a system that's numeric in nature and it breaks out into chapters and headings and subheadings. But what it does is allows us to classify anything really that you can imagine into some type of codified system, codified number that then can be used by countries. So the WCO sets what we call like the first six digits of that system.
0: And how many digits are total in this number?
1: Oh, well, that's the fun part, Chris. <laughs> so uh, the WCO sets the first six and then countries uh, get to do whatever they want after that. Okay. So um, countries sometimes just add on another two. So maybe there's just eight digits for that country and other countries add on another two, four, six. I mean, I don't know if there's eight out there, but mm-hmm. they really get to do what they need to do to get to that level of precision that they find valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, that's also where duty rates are being set so that uh, countries can collect the proper amount of taxes, for lack of a better word, uh, for duties as freight is coming into their country. So it's giving them uh, the level of visibility to what's moving in and out, because these systems are also used for exports, not just imports, mm-hmm. and they can personalize them as much as they want.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I looked into I looked into this a little bit, and it sounds like the changes uh, to the Harmony system, do happen but not very often Mm -hmm. Um, how often do changes come and and how they've been historically handled because if if you've got these six numbers you said first six numbers uh, that are kind of globally recognized and then everyone's got their Mm -hmm. own story after that yeah Uh, how do those updates happen what's the review process like
1: um i don't actually know the specific review process that the wco does but they're only putting out changes about every five years is what we've seen in the last kind of iterations that they've put out i'm sure they have i think they take feedback, you know, from organizations globally in terms of what needs to be changed. They also look at what isn't being used to see if there's opportunities to delete things or not use them.
0: Oh, okay. Um, kind of streamline it, simplify it. Streamline it, it. yep. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so those come out about every five years. And um, they, I think they actually put out like the ones that are coming out in 2020. They've al- they made these uh, recommendations years ago almost because it takes so long mm. for countries to adopt it into their... I guess classification systems, right? So as the WCO makes changes at the six digit level, it has to trickle down. And over 200 countries use um, what the WCO recommends. As far as countries making individual adoptions or changes. Mm -hmm. Um, Some countries like the U.S., they're making changes twice a year. Mm -hmm. And then this is just a bigger change that they're adopting. Right. Other countries just make changes once a year. And some countries really just make changes when the WCO makes changes. So everyone kind of has their own cadence and their own schedule of what they do.
0: Yeah. But just as long as the numbers match up when shipments are being processed.
1: Yes, exactly. Yep. So you want um, everybody needs to use the right classification at the right time. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
0: All right. And with this being the seventh review, it sounded like, um, what's so big about this one? Like what changes are coming?
1: Yeah. So I wouldn't say that this one's necessarily bigger than any others um, that they've put out. But in the WCO's literature, which if you really want to go brokerage <laughs> customs nerd, uh, read that for fun. Uh, but they kind of presented five categories that I thought were really good um, breakdown. So mm-hmm. the first one being new product streams. And some of this stuff isn't necessarily feels new, um, but it's new when you think about it from a bureaucratic getting you know all of the classification mm-hmm. headers broken yeah. down globally. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple things in there are smartphones, 3D printers, tobacco products like e-cigarettes, electronic waste, drones, things like that. Mm-hmm. Then they had a category called technological advances. And this was really in terms of how things are manufactured, not necessarily that they're new products and that uh, they specifically referenced glass fibers, metal forming machinery, health and safety. So this is always on our minds, right? We immediately think COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, But in this case, it's not necessarily COVID. It's more rapid diagnostic kits for things like malaria, Zika, stuff like that. Absolutely. But also cell culture, cell therapy products, things that are you know, five years ago weren't as norm as what they are now. This is coming from a completely non-medical source, by the way. <laughs> Maybe those have been the been the norm. I'm just not in the know. But then the last two categories that they break out are human security and protection of society, and hmm. really that's the WCO saying, "Hey, customs organizations, we see that you guys are being tasked with um, anti-terrorism efforts, and so really trying to break down um, into a more I wouldn't say granular way, but help them get insights into potential dual use items. But then also um, parts for improvised explosive devices, radioactive materials, things like that. Dual
0: so, use. What do you mean by that?
1: Dual use. A good example would be like fertilizer, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Fertilizer, a completely normal thing to import until you're importing it in gigantic quantities. Oh, sure. Um, for the purposes of evil.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So if the WCO is making these decisions or or making these changes uh, through these reviews, what are they looking at in order to inform these decisions? Do you know?
1: Um, I think they're getting feedback, honestly, from countries in terms of what they need Mm -hmm. to help facilitate trade both in and out and get the visibility that they need. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I mean, they're probably just observing trade patterns as a whole, um, which is what makes this whole system so wild. Like the fact that we can see trade patterns globally, You know, and talk about apples, literally to apples, going in and out of countries Mm -hmm. um, is pretty incredible to think about.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, this has clearly been a very popular topic with our customers because you've been presenting on a lot of webinars I've been hearing. Uh, We know what's to come, clearly, but what's the impact to importers?
1: Yeah. So it's both importers and exporters. Okay, sure. So um, because you're declaring to governments, right, Mm -hmm. both directions, they want to know what's being sold and they also want to know what's being imported. Um. But I would say the impact is going to vary greatly, right? There's some uh, people who are listening that will not even notice, right? It will be a blip on their radar or maybe one small product line, right? That will be impacted. Other customers are going to have huge impacts. Um, Personally, in the data that I've looked at, automotive companies are going to be pretty uh, heavily impacted. Mm -hmm. um, But it really just depends on your product mix that's being imported or exported. Hey, I had to catch myself. (laughs) In the U.S. specifically from expediter's data, when we look at, hey, what is the impact to our customer base going to be? We're seeing about 10% of the lines that are being imported into the U.S. are Mm going to be impacted, which is on par with other WCO changes. So um, nothing too crazy, but for some customers, very crazy. Other customers, you do you. Yeah, you're (laughs) fine. Just keep going.
0: So what does an exporter or importer need to do to prepare for these new tariff numbers, let's call them?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So first of all, um, different countries, importers and exporters have different levels of responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. So in the US and Canada and the EU, they're really responsible oftentimes for providing that classification um, to their customs broker as part of their declaration to the government. So in those cases, um, they should really start digging in now, especially yeah. since um, we're in December. We've got a few exactly. weeks left. Exactly. <laughs> and I think we are all look at this and we're like, we're everyone's on vacation. Yeah. Start digging into those. HS numbers that they know are going to be impacted, Mm -hmm. mapping them to their new kind of counterpart. Sometimes it's a one-to-one. Sometimes um, it takes more research to understand uh, which new classification needs to be used. Then most importantly, um, hopefully updating a parts database. That's something that at Expeditors we super passionate about, or finding other ways to communicate with their customs broker, whoever's doing their, their declarations, to make sure they have the information they need at that end of the year period uh, to be successful. For other countries like Mexico, where the customs broker is actually the responsible party to do the classification work, on that one, importers and exporters aren't completely off the hook because we're going to need documents showing the correct classification, things like that. So really just partnering with your broker to make sure that they have what they need is going to be the most important part and lots of communication is going to be needed.
0: So So. start making phone calls. Yes. (laughs) Faxes, (laughs)
1: Yes. taxes, <laughs> <laughs> phone calls.
0: Everything. Send everything. Yeah. And what happens, I guess, what would the impact be to someone, uh, to either importers, exporters, brokers, uh, should out of date kind of HS numbers be used? What happens when an old number is used?
1: Yeah. So generally speaking, most customs authorities have, you know, modern systems where they're just not going to accept Mm -hmm. So um, it's not like we can say, hey, here's the old number. We'll get you the new one later. Please process my declaration. (laughs) It's just not going to get accepted into the system, Mm -hmm. right? Which means you can't submit the entry or the declaration. Therefore, you can't get your release. Therefore, you can't move your freight through the country or to where it needs to go. You can't even get it out. You can't usually even get out of the port or wherever it needs to to get out of. So um, most times, most of the time, that's what's going to happen is you can't get it moved.
0: And in, and in a time where capacity is ultra tight and schedules are delayed, yeah, this is...
1: Who needs this?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So most of the time in this current environment, from mm-hmm. a customs perspective, our main challenge has been filing the declaration at the right time into the right port. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, you know, if a A ship skips a port or something happens there or they discharge freight that we're not expecting, right? That's what we're usually dealing with. Now this is a whole new layer of challenge in terms of do I have the right uh, classification I need to make entry.
0: Yeah. How would today's shipping crisis affect or be affected by these new changes?
1: Just make more chaos, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is exactly what we don't need, right? Sure, sure. Um, So it's just going to be harder to get your freight cleared. Um, which hasn't necessarily been the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say that for certainty because for some folks it may have been, but that hasn't been part of the equation. And now that will be part of the equation.
0: Yeah, But this is the seventh review. I mean, it's happened seven times previous, or sorry, six times previous. Like, how has it been handled in the past? Did has there been a noticeable change in uh, oh, sh- shipments being question. delayed and, and then like stuff not being able to leave the country?
1: Yeah. not. I don't think it's as noticeable, right? Because yeah. we weren't dealing with
0: <laughs> a pandemic, a
1: pandemic crisis, <laughs> sure. shipping, everything we're in. Right. right but right. we have lived through this before. Mm-hmm. And folks that are listening, if you've been in the industry for a while, um, this isn't Shocking, right? Even in the U.S., like we handle these types of changes on a more minor level twice a year. So Mm -hmm. is it widespread panic? No. Right. Um, But given the current environment, and I think this is why so many people are paying attention, Mm -hmm. they just can't handle one more thing. Yeah. Right. Um, They've got to keep their freight moving.
0: Absolutely. All right. Final question. And I want to kind of do a fun one here. Uh, Wackiest HS number you've ever seen.
1: Oh, Chris. This is a loaded question for a customs broker.
0: (laughs) I'm sure you seem plenty. You're asking
1: a complete like customs nerd a question that's really nerdy. Um, But I had many favorites before Mm -hmm. uh, the WCO changes, Mm -hmm. and as I've been analyzing these and looking at them, uh, the WCO for some reason, and I would love to get the background story. I don't know if you know. Uh, Long-time listeners, first-time callers can call into this show (laughs) (laughs) and give me any info or Mm -hmm. scoop they have on this, but um, they went next level on amusement park rides uh, Uh on this round, okay? So, um, they used to just get classified. It was just like, I don't know, something super cash um, Not that exciting, just amusement park rides, essentially, mm-hmm. traveling circuses. And um, they broke out amusement park rides and then went next level and broke out seven distinct subheadings. <laughs> so we got roller coasters, water rides, bumper cars, carousels. So anybody who's importing or exporting... Mm-hmm. Amusement park rides has their work cut out for them. <laughs> um, and so I think the the bumper dodgem that's legit in the classification system now dodgem cars is my new favorite classification.
0: I did not know that bumper cars were also called dodgems.
1: I didn't either. Huh. Dodgem
0: that, my global, my global perspective is just expanding now. Yeah,
1: and can you can only imagine now? Now you can get the dodgem in and out of every country's yeah. data. Yeah, it's going to be rich. Yeah,
0: you just got to pay those duties. Where we are they really coming want, from? Really I don't duties. know. Where are they going to?
1: We will now know.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Stephanie. If people want to get into contact with you with any questions, or maybe even inform you on the uh, the deep history of amusement park ride <laughs> in just numbers, which
1: I'm hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> My fingers are currently crossed.
0: Uh, how can people get into contact with you?
1: Yes. Reaching out to me via LinkedIn mm-hmm. um, is great. So Stephanie Holloway, um, you can find me with Expeditors, or just using our expediters.com uh, page um, and it will get directed to me. There's a contact section um, and I would love to hear from people.
0: Cool. Excellent. Well, thank you again for your time and I hope you take care.
1: Thank you, Chris. Happy to be here.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expediters, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expediters.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time.